Hey there, welcome to Tell Me More. I'm your host, Megan Spargo. Tell Me More is your place to find inspiration to access your inner wisdom, power to help you live an authentic life on purpose. We're going to cover concepts on personal development, mindfulness, woo, and so much more. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, welcome to Tell Me More. Today's guest is Carrie Long. She's been one of my life coaches, and I know you'll love to hear about what she has to say today. I enjoy talking with her just anytime we get the chance to chat on the phone or have a coaching session. So I have Carrie Long here today. Carrie is a wife, mother of four children, and a certified life coach who works with moms to stress less and enjoy motherhood more through deeply connecting with themselves and their families, letting go of negative thoughts, focusing on what matters, and letting go of what doesn't. She is a deep listening, intuitive, super present coach who asks powerful questions to get to the root of her clients' fears, helping them to become crystal clear about their values and who they want to be as a mother, how they want to experience motherhood, and the legacy they want to leave. Carrie, welcome. Glad you're here today. Thanks, Megan. I'm so excited to be here with you. How was it to like hear somebody read your bio out loud? <laughs> It's a little weird. It's, it's a little weird. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I think I've, that's happened to me a couple of times. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is different. You can hear it in a different voice than the one <laughs> that's in your head. So yes. yeah. sit with that. <laughs> <laughs> like, this sounds like an interesting person. I wonder, I wonder who this is. <laughs> who is this? They sound amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I want to kind of start at the beginning of your journey. So tell me more about what got you to the point of becoming a a life coach. Was there a certain point in your life or a couple different things that kind of led you on this journey? Yeah, so I would say so I'm 43 now. And I would say like around age 36 or so, I just like, I've always been a really deep thinker and I've always questioned everything and I'm an Enneagram four. So I'm very much like in my thoughts and my emotions and trying to understand myself and trying to understand other people. And so I I would say that like, I've been kind of informally training to be a life coach for 43 years. Um, But around age 36, I really started just questioning a lot of things like, you know, why, why does everybody do this? Or, um, you know, why, why are we living where we're living? Why, you know, why do we have these jobs and, and just all these kinds of things about just about life. And, um, the first book that I read that really, it's almost like it gave me permission to be more deliberate in my life. It was called Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McEwen. And at the time, I had kind of gotten into minimalism, uh, mostly because I have anxiety. And so it was kind of to alleviate anxiety, just like trying to have less and um, just more peace and more margin just kind of be a little more deliberate. So that was the first book that I read. And it was so interesting. Um, You can look up this guy, but he teaches, or at least at the time, he taught a class at a university, one of the major universities, I don't remember which one. 
but um, it was kind of like a life design class. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you could sit down and design your life, what would that look like? And I just thought that was so interesting because that's not something I don't know about you, but like in our generation, like literally nobody ever talked about that. Like nobody ever taught that, you know, it was very much what college do you want to go to? What major do you want to have? Do you want to get married? Do you not want to get married? Do you want to have kids? Do you not want to have kids? Where do you want to live? You know, it wasn't so much like what, how do you want to design your life? Like, let's talk about everything, you know, Mm -hmm. how do you want to experience life? So much more about, um, just being really deliberate. So that was kind of the first book that kind of, it's almost like it gave me permission to be deliberate and it gave, it kind of validated this feeling that I had inside of me of, I don't want these things that everybody else seems to want. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want more and more. I want less and less. That's fantastic. There's a couple of things I want to unpack in what you said. And the first one is, is you kind of just started questioning things, which shows me that you kind of switched your perspective a little bit and, and started approaching life with more curiosity. And I think that's huge um, in that personal development world. And then you kind of talked about being deliberate. And I don't know if that kind of came from answering those questions, like, what do I want? And then, so we'll start there, like that, that new approach that came with questioning your life. Do you feel like any part of that came with just kind of growing into yourself at, you know, 36, you've had a little bit of life experience behind you, or do you think there is something else to that? Yeah, I don't know if you found this, Megan, but I almost feel like there's something that happens like as you approach 40, mm-hmm. I could just feel like you too. Yeah. I would just kind for of just sure. like, like all of a sudden you start to like, for me, a couple of things happen. One is the veil kind of was lifted and like, I started to see things more clearly. I started to understand myself better. I started to, um, kind of understand every other people better. I kind mm-hmm. of started to understand that we all kind of face the same um, challenges. We all kind of have, you know, the negative thoughts. And um, so it was very much just, just kind of an understanding. Yeah. And, and then all, and then also like, uh, like settling into who I am and, and, it, and, and, and fully admitting and even embracing who I'm not Mm, mm -hmm. and being okay with it. Yeah. I wonder if there was any sort of collective change because I don't think my mom did had these same questions. I, and maybe she did, but that whole designing your life and having these questions, it opened up an entirely new world for me being able to ask questions and like kind of understanding that we have this agency to design our lives and to desire. I mean, there's just so much that it was like, well, this is what you want. You want to get married. You want to have a family, want to go to college. You want to check all these boxes. Like it was kind of almost already decided. And, and maybe that was okay for a period of time to kind of have a path to follow. But then when you're like, follow where, where are we going with this? Um, 
yeah, and starting to question it was, um, I, I had something similar happen and, and I kind of had something around like approaching 30 where it was a little bit different, but I, I did start questioning things and I was so afraid to question. And when I felt like my beliefs were definitely not what they were, I tried so hard to kind of reconcile what I truly believed and who I truly was with this previous identity of myself. And I think I went through some sort of like existential crisis, <laughs> um, yeah. trying to yeah mesh these two worlds together. But, um, you know, kind yes. of finally surrendering to like, oh, this is actually how I feel about this. And I mean, I kind of flipped everything from how I, I looked at, you know, my worldview with religion and God and all of that, um, like, like politically kind of like questioning, like, well, why did I think this or why do I think this? And I think it really allowed me to get to know myself so much better because I asked questions and kind of forced myself to be like, well, what do you really believe? And it was so funny because along that path, I was like, no, no, you don't believe that. That's not who you are. <laughs> and it took like several years for me to kind of really just sit at home with who I actually was or actually yes. am. Yeah, it's that whole order, disorder, reorder. Am I saying that right? I think so. Yeah, the, the stages of spiritual formation. We're very much <laughs> in the beginning. It's the order. It's the rules. Yeah. You know, it's this is what you do. This is what you don't do. You know, this is what you follow. And then pretty, and then it, you come to a point where it's like that's not enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, you ha you need something deeper. You need a deeper understanding. You need a deeper truth. It's not true enough for you. It's not. I don't know if you felt this way. It's not rich enough for you. Did you feel that way? It's not deep enough. It was so super. Yeah, it was definitely um, kind of a superficial level. Like this is this is what it was. Especially you know when it comes to religion, you know there are so many things. I'm like, if God can do anything, like why does He need a blood sacrifice? That seems insane to me like like somebody answer these questions for me and it was like don't answer you don't your human mind can't conceptualize what this is and I'm like that's not a good enough answer for me anymore and so yeah you know, and not that there's really anything wrong with it but it definitely made me swing open the door and just like ask questions because I'm like uh this just this isn't my truth anymore so it's um it is quite a journey I think when and that, that's kind of mine, but it definitely kind of flipped my life on its head for a period of time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that makes me think about um, our, our friend Karen Ackerman. Yeah. She's talking about, she's telling me once that when she was going through this and when she was kind of in that disorder stage, mm. anyways, we're starting to question things. Yeah. She said she was just like almost like freaking out, kind of having like yeah. this existential. Oh, I crisis. did the same. And she went to another Reiki energy practitioner, and her um, her crown, the, the crown, the crown chakra was like it was going it was going the opposite direction. Oh, weird! That's what it was supposed to be doing. So it can it can it can literally feel that way in your body, right? You feel like disoriented. Mm. Yeah. Like, what is true? What do I believe? What isn't true? Yeah, it's wild. We're going to have Karen on the podcast. So we 
So you'll be coming coming on here too. What's really funny about that, because as we talk about this, and if somebody hasn't gone through something similar, it does sound really scary and that you might become ungrounded. And and I I had that that period of disorder, but then you start to kind of pull these pieces back together and come back to like such an authentic version of who you are that you can even look back, I think, on, you know, that period of your life with love. I think that happened to me is like I fought with it and I grappled and then I just turned my back and I ran the complete other direction. I didn't want anything to do with religion. I I definitely had some like negative judgment towards it. And now as I kind of like settle back into who I am, um, I can accept that I have my truth and other people have their truth. And I can even appreciate that I had such a good foundation and a path to follow. Because I, I do think that if people don't have that, then that foundation, they don't really have a really solid place to grow from anything to question. And so I think then it's really easy to fall into some, you know, places where you feel like you need to belong that that could be kind of scary yeah. or unha- you know whether <laughs> you mean it could be a cult or you kind of find some really divisive you know just polarizing things because i think they can be very attractive because it gives you such a truth that you can stand by so um so interesting yes. now that you can kind of like yes, that- see <laughs> that happen absolutely that need to belong is such a core human need right yeah. And yeah. that need of like, I think that identity that I think is, I mean, we could probably yeah. keep talking forever, but that egoic part that like definitely needs an identity when I think you kind of start to question and um, start to find yourself from a different place that that I really didn't know existed. But it it comes from, I think, a place of like complete worthiness of like, oh, this is who I am. And when you can say, this is who I am anybody can be who they also want to be, you know, much easier, I think, in a beautiful way. I heard one person say that this kind of work can be intellectual freedom. And I could see where that could be true. Well, thank you for unpacking that. (laughs) And I actually, I probably heard that order, disorder, reorder, but I, I love having kind of that visual. It definitely makes a lot of sense. And I can see it like I'm one of those people that can kind of take a concept that's fairly meta and like, oh, I can see that in my relationships where it's kind of like it's calm, it's conflict, it's repair. It kind of reminds me of something yeah. very similar to that. The other thing you were talking about was um, being deliberate and so you were kind of attracted to the concepts of minimalism. Tell me more about that and how that kind of led you down this path. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know what it was about. I think minimalism really attracted me because of what I was really after is simplicity and being deliberate. Simplicity. And um, mm-hmm. like I said, I have anxiety and I just, I never understood like, why do so many people want more and more? Like, it's just, you have to work more to buy these things, <laughs> you know? And then it's like all this upkeep and yeah. and then you got to do stuff when you don't want the things anymore. But then I realized it was more about, you know, start off with just kind of the things like not having a lot of stuff, right. but then it kind of moved to- more towards 
minimalism of what I put into my body. Mm. So it's minimalism of what I watch, what I listen to, what I read, um, you know, the people that I spend time with, um, what I put my energy towards, um, like the foods that I eat, all of the, my schedule, all of those things. And that's mm. really kind of what I was mm-hmm. after more than just the right. having a simplified clutter-free home. Yeah. I wonder if that's kind of what people like crave. And it's funny that you say, say that I've heard the word like constraint and how having some constraint, like I look back at some of the videos I record, I'm always in like a black tank top today. I switched things up and I went with green. I'm like, that's pretty much what I wear all the time. And I like, that's how I feel the best. I feel pretty in it. And so I just keep it simple. I probably look like I'm wearing the same thing all the time, but like, I've noticed that with myself too, even when it comes to like spending. And I think like that spending money and having stuff, like it, it gets sloppy and it gets a little bit out of control. And then like looking at things and I I have the very similar approach with mindfulness. And I I think what it comes down to what you're talking about is like be becoming deliberate. I think we're just, we're all over the place. We're, you know, worrying about this person or that person or what we're going to wear. And we just become so fixated on things that our energy is scattered. And then we're left tired and not feeling our best. And so, yeah, really kind of keeping a a tight ship in where you do put that energy, I think is, and where, you know, where you spend your money. I like to have filters. So with like, in my job, I'm like, does it fall under these three things? Or even in the podcast, it's fairly wide, but I'm like, do my guests, you know, kind of come under this idea of like a self-mastery and, you know, helping people become something better and you know the way that I spend my money or what my family does all of that is kind of that same idea um with mindfulness I like to say you know first come home to yourself just get into your own body your own mind and then you take an inventory like what's in there because most of us don't even know what are the thoughts that we're thinking all the time and so then you can like look at that without judgment And then you can kind of start to simplify. And then I think that last part goes to that life design part. Like, how do you want to redecorate? You've got some space left and now you have bandwidth to decide where you want to put your energy. Does that kind of sound like what you're... Absolutely. And I love that word bandwidth because I think... I think so many people, like we have this idea of like what we should be doing Mm -hmm. and that's all, you know, shame and and guilt ridden, really. Right. And, you know, if you ask yourself, what do I really want? I've been asking myself that lately. Like Mm. what, at the end of my life, what is it that I want to have accomplished? Like what I want to look back on and say that, that this is what I focus my time and energy on. And for me, it's that I have really good relationships with my kids and my husband. I mean, that's, that is really what it comes down to. Like that is the most important thing to me. And so if I'm spending my time and energy scattered in all these different places, which as you know, as moms, we already do, there's like no, no way around that really. But how do I have the bandwidth to have, 
to be able to put energy into my relationships with what what's most important to me. I really like that. When you, I like how you asked, what do I really want? And in your bio, you even talking, you talk about asking powerful questions. That's something I like to do in my practice too, is what are really powerful questions? And I've heard you ask crappy questions, you're going to get crappy answers because your brain's going to answer a question and then it gets a dopamine hit. But now we're going to like, let's switch that to asking really powerful questions and what you you asked yourself is what do I really want? And you found an answer that I thought was really cool. You want to have deep, beautiful relationships with your family. And so I think that's fantastic. And I kind of, you know, encourage our listeners to write that question down. Let that be a journal prompt because I know sometimes I ask myself that I'm like, what do I want? I'm really not quite sure. And so, I, you know, I'm definitely coming into something like that. And then what I like about that is that's kind of where you um, filtered your niche through because you talk a lot about, you know, you work with moms and motherhood. Tell me more. I want to, I'm a mom. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I'm really bad at citing research. Like I remember the gist of research, but I don't remember like where I heard it from always. But um, so with life coaching, um, something that's really, really, really powerful is imagining your future self. It, it's been shown that <clears throat> it's really powerful to help you get to where you want to be. If you can imagine this future, this future self, right? But you have to feel a personal connection to that future self. Like it can't be some imaginary person that you really can't relate to and connect with. But if you can, it's, it's very, very powerful. So that's something that I do in my daily practice is imagining my wiser elder self towards the end of my life. Like, what does she look like? You know, what's, um, what's kind of that, that look in her eyes, what's her essence or her aura. And then I consult with her. Like one, it helps give me strength and makes me feel supported in this really, really, really stressful season of life. And then two, it just helps me feel like it just helps kind of ground me and give me an anchor to who I want to become so that I don't just, I have somewhere to go. You know, I have, I have a goal to aspire to be. And so that's just really, really, really helpful to me. Something that's been probably the biggest source of pain in my life is feeling like I'm out of place. I don't belong anywhere. I'm kind of weird. Nobody really understands me. Um, and then motherhood is, can be really, really isolating and really lonely, especially when you're trying to raise your kids in a way that isn't exactly the way that everybody else is raising their kids or the majority of people. So kind of having that wiser elder self, it just makes me feel like I belong to myself and that I have this person to anchor me and to help guide me in this really stressful and sometimes isolating season of life. So I believe in like synchronicities. And this is the third time this week that I've kind of heard or like had reference to that imagination or that referring to that future self to 
to, you know, follow a path or a goal. So I'm, I'm putting a pin in that <laughs> for my, myself to keep that going. Um, I talk about that in a talk that I have and when things get really hard, I think the big thing that you say there is like, imagine a part of you that you can relate to, that you can actually connect with. So I think you really have to like feel yourself in that, in that place. So that's, and then, and then feel that wisdom coming from her. I think that's really a beautiful tool for our our listeners to have. I'm going to go ahead and up. I'm just going to have to make like a top 10 nuggets of wisdom from Carrie when this is all finished. Yeah. I've even heard of people like um, signing up for an email address, like your future self, you know, Carrie's future self at gmail.com, whatever. And sending emails to that person or having that person send emails back to you. It's incredibly, incredibly powerful to help you to not feel so alone and to feel like, okay, Mm. this person has faced all of this adversity and, you know, gone through a lot of, a lot of challenges and she's still there. How does she get there? How does she get there? She, I guarantee she did not get there by avoiding difficult things. And she did not get there by watching a lot of TV, you know, and she did not get there by not having difficult conversations with people. And she did not get there by avoiding difficult emotions within herself and avoiding herself. Yeah. So it just gives you like that motivation. Like, I want to be this person. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I do too. And I talk a lot about that is um, one thing I tell my kids is, and I probably said this on the podcast before, if you want a hard life, you make easy decisions. You want an easy life, you make hard decisions. And that resilience that I think we need really comes from being able to sit with these hard emotions and and just be with them. And, you know, I, I have like a talk about that where I'm like, once you know that you can make it to the other side of disappointment, for me, it's humility or humiliation or terror or all of that. Like once you know that those will not knock you down, you will not die. What's what, what will stop you? Yes. And it, it is hard. Yes, it's absolutely. so scary. I mean, having those hard conversations. And I think when we talk about like coming into finding our way to our thought authentic selves. Sometimes you're like, what's the point? But I've realized that just like what you said, you have these hard conversations that are honest. And and I do think they come from such a place of love rather than, you know, this person upset me. I need to tell them about it. It's, I don't know. There's just a different honest place that these conversations can come from. Personally, I know that I <laughs> I snapped at my husband the other day and it really came from me just being kind of bored and lonely. And um, he went out to dinner with his friends, which I, I'm super glad that he does. And normally if I'm like entertained and having fun, I don't care. But I walked to my friend's house and she wasn't there and nobody was picking up the phone. And, you know, he come back and I was kind of being a brat, I guess. And I snapped at him and I'm like, I'm bored. And kind of for that purpose of making him, you know, feel guilty. But then when I came to this realization that I'm like, he didn't do anything wrong. 
what he did would ne never bother me if I kind of had my own things going on and kind of have to admit that and be like, ah, it's really not your responsibility to entertain me. And I'm sorry I put that on you. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing what just having that self-awareness does, not only for you, but for your relationships. Yeah. Where you're not putting all this onto them. You're not projecting all of this onto them when really it's your stuff that's coming right. out. I mean, I still do, but I come back around. <laughs> I come back around a lot quicker than I had. Or if there is something that happens, whether it's with my husband or like one of my daughters, I can be very honest about it and um, just have a kind of like a no BS, no agenda, but like I'm upset and this is why. And I can open up the floor to it. So the, and now the conflicts that would like, I couldn't get them past my throat. I couldn't get the words out um, are just very easy. If I can sense like wow. some resistance or I can sense something wrong, I'm like, I feel like something's wrong. Let's talk about this and I can bring it to the table a lot easier, which I find to be um, very freeing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I love what you said about if you do the hard things, life will be easy. If you do the easy things, life will be hard. I've heard that in a little different way. If you expect life to be hard, it'll be easy. If you expect life to be easy, it'll be hard. I think that's so important. And I think part of that is, again, we talk about minimalism. It's kind of making these hard decisions so that life will be easier. Very honest decisions. Because I think back and when like I didn't want to make a hard decision, so I would kind of skirt around stuff and be like, no, it's fine. It's okay. It's not that big of a deal. And so then, you know, you become a doormat or you don't speak your needs and somebody else doesn't understand it or know or inadvertently hurts you. And you just kind of swallow it and take it. And when I don't think it needs to be that way. So just being able to kind of have a voice, even if it's wrong sometimes, but, but keeping that open and man, just being able to be honest with yourself can be kind of scary, but I think it's a, such an act of self-love that I think yes. can, that can bring you that life. That's a little bit easier and it's a little bit more to the design that you, that you want without hurting yeah. other people or having to sneak around or like have a hidden agenda. <laughs> it's just like, this is it. This is what I want. And, or this hurt me because how uh, we grow so much, I think in those moments and being able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. This is, I mean, I want to bring this up with you because I, I really enjoy your, um, your perspective, but I was listening to a, a podcast by Brooke Castillo the, on the Life Coach School, and she'd made like a top 10 list of thoughts. And I'd heard them, most of them before. And I'm like, yes, I, I resonate with them. These are true. But one thing that was fairly new, um, she said that it it's not necessarily your ability to do something that determines how your life will turn out, but it's your capacity. And you know, kind of just circling back to our conversation about being able to do hard things, have hard conversations. I think that really comes through capacity, your capacity to do things like that. Would you agree? 
Yeah, I've never heard that before, but I would love to know what you, how you define capacity. Is it like, like, what is that to you? What, what does that mean to you? I mean, I think part of it goes back to that bandwidth that we talked about and having some space and some bandwidth, but I think it's also the capacity to like hold different emotions at the same time and have the capacity to feel pain, feel disappointment and not get knocked flat while also being able to feel motivated and on purpose while being able to feel kind of like a failure and be disappointed with that while also having a strong belief in yourself. So it's kind of, it's kind of like resiliency, but I think it's a little bit more. And so I'm going to, I'm going to rewind my life back a couple years ago to 2021, which I talk about that kind of being a year that just, man, that, that one did, I would say it knocked two legs off like a four-legged stool. So I wasn't knocked down, but I was really wobbly. And um, I was experiencing a lot of anger, a lot of confusion. And that's when my mom got sick and passed away and just massive amounts of grief. That was a lot. Right before that happened, I was really trying to do launch a coaching business. And I was you know, doing an email list. I was doing videos and all of these things. And the faucet just kind of turned off. And I look back on that time and I did not have the capacity and I don't think a lot of people would. I can like look back on that time and be like, it's totally okay. But I was holding and and really trying to process through some pretty heavy emotions that I'm a a seven on the Enneagram. So I don't like to not feel good. (laughs) I hate heavy feelings. And they were just coming at me one thing after another is kind of what it felt like. But while I might not have had the capacity to grow my business and be super creative, I had the capacity to take that on while still being able to feel the love of my family, be in a a great marriage and be able to be a mom and wake up in the morning and be a functional human being. So there was capacity there, but I didn't necessarily have the capacity for a lot of like super inspiring, really exciting types of content to go in. And I still had the, like, I think it was big that I, I had that capacity to get out of bed to make, still be able to show up to work. It just, it didn't floor me. So that's kind of what I think of capacity. Does that help? Yeah, it does. And I think that's exactly how I see capacity as well. Um, I heard you say resilience. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's almost like your ability to hold all of these things yes. and still keep coming back to your dreams, to your goal. Mm-hmm. To that that design, yeah. that life that you want to design. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And again, it all comes back to what thoughts are you telling yourself? What are you allowing into your mind? What are you focusing on? Mm -hmm. What are you spending your energy on? And you have to be so, so deliberate about those things so that you do have the capacity to do that. You know, I'm, I'm an Enneagram four and I have a five wing and five, they have so much energy each day. 
It's the exact same. <laughs> you will never get more energy. It has the exact same energy. <laughs> so I think that's something else that draws me to minimalism and, and essentialism being deliberate is like, I only have so much energy and I only have so many years on this planet. Mm. So I really want to, you know, be careful about what I'm spending my energy on and so that I can have capacity. And you brought up another good point. And that's something that I think is so important is like just really honoring where you're at mm -hmm. in this season of life. Yeah. You know, I feel like moms, especially in this culture and in this time, we feel like we're somehow supposed to do it all. And, and then we feel disappointed when we can't, or we feel like a failure. I think it takes so much courage and it takes so much self-love and self-awareness to just say, right now, this is what my capacity is. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, this is not going to last forever. I'm going to have capacity to be able to give this what I mm -hmm. want to give it in the future. But right now, this is what I have the capacity to do. And not only is that okay, I think that's really, really healthy. I do too. No, that's really, I, I feel like like people pleasing comes into this a lot. Yes. And I think yeah. with just a lot of this work, like just that awareness of like, how much was I doing for other people that it was kind of for me because I do think it fed my ego a lot to be the go-to person. Yeah. And then kind of like, as I was approaching 40, I think I was like, I don't care. I'm like, holy cow. I, I don't, I don't care about any of this suddenly. Like I, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. And it, you know, yeah. people, it was just kind of, yeah, I talk about like another um, piece of freedom. I feel like with me, sometimes things happen and it just hits a point where like, I just flip a switch where I'm like, yeah, that's not who I am anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So much of like approaching 40 and in your forties, I feel like it's just very much, again, it's like undoing, unraveling, yeah. unlearning, taking away. I love yeah. it. It's nice. This yeah. is just a surprising yeah. perk of, <laughs> of getting a little bit older. It's been really, it's nice to hear that there's some good, some good things that happen because I don't think that's necessarily the message. Let's talk about your niche. So, God, this conversation has been really good. It kind of sounds funny to just put in a, a question that I have prepared, but um, kind of going to your work as a life coach, how do you see life coaching as helping people, your clientele in particular, which would be moms, in achieving that greater sense of self-mastery? Yeah, so I feel like what a life coach does is a life coach provides a space for a person to have a meeting with themselves. Yes. Is basically what it comes down to. And so you think about, you know, all the meetings. I, I don't have a lot of meetings, but I know there's a lot of people in, you know, the business world who have a lot of meetings and they meet with all these different people. But how often do you actually meet with yourself? And, and some people do. Some people meditate and do different things to really check in with themselves. But it's really, really helpful to have a meeting with yourself, but to have a skilled facilitator kind of guide these meetings. And so really what it is, a, a good life coach is super present. They're, they're able to kind of 
just focus on you and um, help you. First of all, a session, it's always, it's always goal oriented. So it's what do you want to get out of this session and how can I be of service to you in order to achieve this, this, this result that you want out of this session. And then in the larger context, you have a contract for different lengths of time. Maybe it's six weeks or three months or six months or whatever. And that's that bigger goal. So you've got this bigger goal. And then each session is how you can get closer and closer to that goal. And so, um, you know, I, I would love to see a day when we can all just like be curious about other people and be super present and be not judgmental and just be empathic and try to see what life is like in this other person's shoes and just be able to ask these really powerful questions to help a person arrive at their own truth. Um, that's, that's really what, what coaching is. Um, but that's kind of like my idealist nature is like, I would just love it if we could all do this for each other, you know, cause so many people come and they've got the, 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 the family conditioning and the church conditioning and the cultural mm-hmm. conditioning and, and the people pleasing, which starts off, you know, in childhood. And it makes sense. Like our parents, they were all behaviorists. That's how they were taught to raise kids. It was all much, very much about mm-hmm. how you get the behavior that you want out of them. Right. And um, so it's just so helpful to be able to have somebody else say, just ask you questions. Cause a lot of times we assume so much. We think that everybody thinks this way or everybody wants this or everybody does this or, you know, if I do this, everybody's going to think I'm crazy. And just to really question those assumptions and question those, those beliefs that we have. And our beliefs are just our thoughts that we have over and over and over. That's what our beliefs are. Right. Yep. Those thought patterns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm such a big believer in you've really got to focus on your thoughts and you've really got to kind of question your thoughts and be able to kind of have that, that, that mastery kind of over your thoughts. Yeah. There's a lot. Okay. I just, I'm curious. And so I don't know if you've like talked to a lot of moms, so I can see where our parents were big on behaviorists. Do you see any overreaching um, parenting? Like what do we, what does our generation do? What do we value? as far as parenting? I think what it's moving more towards is relationships. Um, at least I hope, I hope that that's what it's moving toward. And I think um, there's a big shift in like conscious parenting, which is really making conscious decisions instead of just the fact is a lot of parents, they give their kids punishments because they're mad and because they're dysregulated right. yeah. and they are trying to control their kids um, there's a, a difference between punishment and discipline, yeah, right? Agree. Discipline is to help to discipline a child. Uh, punishment is just meant to hurt them. And so I think there's, you know, there's conscious parenting and there's gentle parenting and there's attachment parenting. And really all it is, is just let's really, really focus on this, this unique individual in front of us and how we can connect with them and how we can help guide them to being the person that they're meant to be. 
and giving them a little more and more freedom until they're able to make more and more decisions on their own so that they can be a healthy functioning adult. So that's what I would say. I think it's more focused on. And another thing that I think is really, really important is parenting as a transformation tool for the parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is almost nothing that's going to show you who you are, your blind spots, your childhood (laughs) wounds, your automatic patterns. There's no better mirrors. Yeah. Yes. And if you really allow it to be this tool for transformation, it's absolutely incredible. 100% agree. So I was curious because I noticed my value as a parent is, um, is letting my kids be very self-expressed. And so kind of like just letting them be who they are because I, you know, having those behaviorals be that kind of behavioralist way of growing up. My parents were a little bit like more progressive, honestly, I think with that, um, I was really, I think I had great parents and very conservative grew up in Wyoming, but very emotionally available, but still kind of part of that, that generation. So they were really good, but I noticed like what I, I just want my kids to be like who they were meant to be. And I try to kind of use that conscious parenting with my kids. And what that kind of means to me is not parenting from my wounds. Yes. Yeah. All of like my childhood wounds and, and then had but man, when you do that, it definitely makes you aware of like your own childhood wounding. And, you know, when I see my kids try to like, like make a joke or like ease a situation, I'm like, oh, I'm turning them into a little sevens on the Enneagram or <laughs> like, I know what you're doing. I see it. Okay. I'm a little unpredictable right now. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I kind of, I mean, I want to tell you like my experience, I've worked with you as a life coach and I came to you, I don't know, several months ago. I can't remember how long it's been, but like, I definitely got to a point where I did not feel like my life was in alignment with how I wanted it to be designed. And, you know, we met several times on a weekly basis and one of the things within my life design was to get back into this coaching and, you know, having a personal development platform. And this is the third podcast I'm recording. So let this be the fruits of your labor, Carrie. (laughs) So I know you focus a lot on moms, but um, yeah, your coaching is really powerful to really like ask me those questions and help put me back on track to um, the life that I really want to design. So you got your work cut out for you. Oh, I'm so so grateful. And you said, um, I don't know how you put it, but something about the fruits of my work, <laughs> but it was you. It was you. I mean, you put in the work and the digging deep and the reflecting and all of that. I mean, that that's that's so, so important. And so many people, you know, come to coaching and some of them just kind of want somebody to tell them what to do. Yeah. And that's Give me a five-step easy to follow plan. <laughs> That I call that a how grade and I've, I've definitely been guilty of that myself, kind of that how, and kind of going back to what you were saying earlier is I do journal and I do meditate to have those meetings, um, those self meetings, but it's definitely, there's something to having a weekly setup time 
that I have to show up for. And I kind of have to have my stuff together before we meet because I want to make sure that we're, we're milking it, milking that time we have together for all it's worth. And so, yeah, maybe that'll lead me to do a podcast on how to have a really good coaching session because I I enjoy being coached. You do a a great job. So yeah, we're kind of at the end of our time together today. Uh, I got to admit, like part of doing a podcast is really selfish. I just wanted to create times where people that I think are really interesting have to talk to me (laughs) about things that I really like to talk about. So thanks for indulging me Uh, on this today. I absolutely love talking with you, Megan, always. Same. I'm so grateful. Carrie, how can people find you? Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. I don't know. Can you put, do you have show notes? Yeah. I'll put your LinkedIn on the show notes on the show notes. And then my, I'm kind of working on my website now, but when it's up, it'll be carrylong.com, which is K-E-R-R-I-L-O-N-G.com. But for, in the meantime, LinkedIn is the best way to reach That's me. In excellent. The, in the near future. You got see. it. Well, Carrie, thanks so much for being on the call today. Appreciate you so much. And until next time, because I think we have some more things to talk about. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Up. All right, Carrie, thanks so much. Thank you, Megan. Bye. All right, my friends, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.